The only work that will ultimately bring any good to any of us is the work of contributing to the healing of the world. Marianne Williamson. Bending Not Breaking, Season 3, Episode 3, The Painted Lady. And we're back with another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And Max is on the dials, making sure that we sound all silky smooth. Uh, Thanks, Max. And... Just like earlier this season, we've got another special guest joining another us. Special another special guest. One. Ben, would you like to introduce our special guest? I would love nothing more. Y'all, we are so blessed to have Lindsay Umstead with us today. And just for background, I had the pleasure of attending high school with Lindsay. But since then, we all you know, went to college and went our separate ways. And she has become someone, somewhat of an expert in her field. And I want to kind of... Be, I'm just so excited to have an expert with us to talk about, um, the, you know, humans, the life of people. And so, Lindsay, you're here with us. So can can you just tell us about you? Tell us about like your journey, your life, your goals. Uh, what what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? You know, just give us the details. <laughs> you mean these days? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Lots of hobbies these days. So many hobbies we didn't all, know we had. All of our free time. Um, no. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. This is so exciting for me. Have you ever been on a podcast before, Lindsay? This is my very first time. Yay! We did it! Well, welcome. And, And have you watched Avatar The Last Airbender before? Before coming onto your podcast, I had Correct. not. So. No, what? We are bringing people into the so that's, fold. That's two in a row, y'all. We are, we're bringing newbies in, and I wish I could go back to the time where I could watch Avatar the first time ever. Oh, God, me too. And experience all the feels, all the things for the very first time. But I'm so glad that you get to do it, and thank you so much for joining on the show because I love having people that are smarter than me, which is not a hard task to to accomplish but i love learning from folks who have got way more experience and way more study time and and helping me be a better person so thank you so much for doing that but this show isn't about me it's not about me and ben it's about everyone and so i appreciate you taking the time and doing that today um so welcome thank you thank you so much can you tell us just a little bit about uh, your your school and um, what led you to your career and what career you have, just so that our listeners uh, know who, who we're listening to. Yeah. So, Ben, after you and I parted ways in high school, I went to James Madison University up in Harrisonburg, Virginia, uh, where I studied psychology. And from there, I came back to North Carolina to UNC Greensboro, where I um, earned my master's degree in counseling with a specialization in college counseling and student development um, with the original intent of going into student affairs and then somewhere in there decided that I wanted to pursue a career as a researcher. So then I um, entered into the PhD program in the counseling department at UNC Greensboro and finished my doctorate a year ago, so last May. And from there, jumped right into teaching full-time at UNCG. So I just wrapped up my first full year of teaching um, and have since decided to transition to being a full-time clinician and doing part-time teaching. So now I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor in North Carolina, and I work with clients out of Raleigh and Greensboro working mainly with adults and teenagers with eating disorders and disordered body image, but also anxiety, depression, trauma, substance abuse, self-injury, suicidality. So I see a lot of different things and work with a lot of different people. Um, And I teach, so teach for UNC Greensboro, but also teach part-time for Northwestern University online. So I've been keeping myself pretty busy. Which I'm grateful for. Incredibly busy. Yeah, that sounds like an incredibly (laughs) uh, intense lineup. Wow. And so grateful for it. So, 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so good, that's a little in bit. In good fashion, we're, we're going to kind of talk about this episode through the lens of healing. Yeah. Uh, which I imagine your work has a lot of, a lot of hard work into healing, but a lot of healing, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think uh, as a therapist, my ultimate goal is, um, well, especially considering the work that I do in eating disorders and body image, which grew out of my own uh, recovery from an eating disorder that I developed in college, um, but also all of the body image stuff that I developed growing up. Um, and I think when I started doing this work, realized how pervasive it is. Um, so one of my main goals as a therapist is to support people in their healing, um, in their relationships with food and body. Um, so I'm really excited to jump into this conversation with y'all today. I think this will be... Wow. Yeah. yeah, that brings up, like, it just evokes so many images from this episode, right? Just mm -hmm. hearing you speak and talk about, like, how food relates to our, just our, our confidence with ourselves and our bodies. And mm -hmm. there's just so much in this. So I'm really excited to dive in. Yeah, let's Before do it. Before we do, Ben. Yeah. Oh, it, we have to do a recap. You've got to do a recap. Oh, it's always me. I feel like it it's is, always it me. It is your turn. You've got 30 seconds to recap this episode. Oh, Are no. you ready? I don't know that I am. Well, you better get ready, because away we go. So the team stumbles upon a village that is in the middle of a swamp. And by swamp, I mean river that is just polluted out the wazoo. And the Fire Nation has this, like, industry, like, a... Uh, factory that has polluting the river and then they go into this town and they realize that oh my goodness oh my god, oh my god everything's tragic and everybody's dying and then there's no medicine in the town because the fire nation's hoarding it and then katara's like no we have to save them and sadaka's like no we have the schedule we have to keep it five seconds and left. then all of a sudden katara turns the painting lady saves the village and then everything's cool nice <laughs> save well done you the back half of the episode was really kind of glock <laughs> <laughs> i did my best that's where the meat of everything is too <laughs> I yeah. know. You really, you really, really <laughs> recapped the first just, five minutes of the I, show really well. And then I just glanced over all of the healing. <laughs> because we're going to talk about it during the whole episode. We are going to talk about a lot of healing. So let's start Let's start with uh, what, were, uh, what were moments in this episode where you saw, and you just kind of, when it happened, you're like, ah, healing. Or, ah, I wish there was healing. Or I wish I could heal. Or anything like that. What was a moment that just really stuck out to you? Uh, okay. For me, one of the first thing that stuck out was just this idea around uh, just our environment and how I, I just feel so called to this concept of just climate change in our current day and paying attention to our environment and how important it is and that it can be healed, even though this river is polluted and it will have lasting damage, I'm sure, uh, on the lives of these people and down the river, et cetera. But like we can still make change. And I think that healing is possible and we see that in this episode. And I think that's, that's something that really caught my eye. You get that really cool moment of seeing them bend the earth and the water out of each other. Yeah. And, and absolutely splitting and being able to replace the water with clean water and making sure that they can use it. Uh, but the amount of kind of time that goes into that, you see it on a large scale at the end of the episode, but you see it on a smaller scale at the very beginning of the episode to kind of foreshadow that. Lindsay, what about you? What was a moment where you just saw healing or moments you wish you could heal or, or any type of thing like that? Yeah, you know, it was, I watched this episode a few different times, um, like once to get a feel for the storyline and then a couple more times through the lens of healing and, and wanted to go back and see, okay, what did I miss the first time? So I got really into it <laughs> is, is the first moral of that. But um, Love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm invested now. I think I need to go all the way back to season one. Um, I 100% yes, agree. We recommend. <laughs> yeah, well, I highly recommend. Um, but it was, it was hard for me not to see healing throughout the entire episode. And that was, that was so energizing for me of like, oh, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. Um, but what stands out to me or what stood out to me the most, I think, was all of these beautiful, uh, like corrective experiences where there was relational healing, it felt like. Um, so one that jumps to my mind is when uh, Aang realizes that Katara was, um, impostering as the painted lady and you can sort of see the shame 
across her face of being outed and found out and um, faking it, so to speak. And he's just excited. And he's like, oh, I think this is great. You're like a secret hero. And I just thought how wonderful and corrected that might have been for her to get that affirmation of, okay, somebody sees the good here. Um, and how that might meet or connects really to shame healing that I think we as humans can do in relationship with others. So that's one moment of many. Oh, it's such a beautiful moment. And I'm so glad that you lifted that up. I started like almost tearing up as you were talking <sighs> because just that simple act of affirmation mm -hmm. is it made all the difference like in how she could have reacted in that moment. It made all the difference. And Aang is so good at this. Like mm -hmm. he does this throughout the series and this is just a really Aang in true form. And it's just, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When, how often do we miss those opportunities in real life? One, how often how, we feel shame all the time and how often do we need people to affirm us in that way? And then two, how often do we miss opportunities to affirm our loved ones and the people we are around? Um, when they feel those moments of shame or feel that guilt or that, that, that se section of time where they're doing something and they, they don't know whether or not they really should be and how important that affirmation could be. Um, and Katara seems to just, abs her spirits are lifted in that moment. It's such a beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. So Lindsay, I have a question about this moment then. Since, so from your perspective, if, if we wanted to replicate Aang, and we wanted to model this and uh, emulate this and be this uh, for others in our lives. What's your recommendation? How do we, how do we catch these moments in, in the moment? Does that make sense? It does. It does. And my, <laughs> how much time do we have? How long can this podcast be? <laughs> <laughs> no, we need to solve all the world's problems in about 55 minutes. If that's okay. <laughs> all right. Challenge accepted. Um, <laughs> Gosh, that I think has so many layers to it. And really, I'm curious about what you all think and in your experiences uh, with other people, what you've seen that works in that way. But I want to say, and I think I would need more time to reflect on it, but what my gut is saying is that it boils down to presence and connection and listening. Um, and active listening where we're not, um, listening ahead for what we want to hear or what we believe the person to be saying, or that we're assuming that they're saying, but what are they really saying? And then how can we see beneath the surface of that in a way that brings out, um, just the beautiful humanity that I think we all have to offer, um, and it's that presence that I would say really allows us to see a person's shame. And as humans, we're wired to, like, we have built-in mechanisms for experiencing with and feeling with people, empathy, right? Um, so when we're fully present and grounded and able to be with a person, I think that's a, when we can respond to those shame moments in affirming and reparative ways. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we kind of touched on it a couple episodes ago, but as you're, you brought up listening and, and the difference between hearing and listening and, and, and not formulating your response as someone's talking, but actually being there and hearing what they're saying and, and paying attention to it and taking it in and perspective taking as opposed to, all right, I'm going to think of what I'm going to say because I think it's going to make you feel better and it's going to shut down this uncomfortable moment that we're kind of rumbling with right now mm -hmm. and, and make it better in one statement. I'm going to throw a nice little silver lining on it, but you're saying is really don't do that. Just exactly hear what someone's talking about and, and continue to, to be in that moment with them, even though it might be mm -hmm. gritty and tough and hard to do that. Yeah. So hard. I mean, how many times a day, and I even think about this in my marriage, right? But like how often, Am I uh, under the guy pretending or convincing myself that I'm listening, but I'm already thinking ahead to like, okay, here's the point that I want to prove. <laughs> um, or here's the point that I want to make when you have finished speaking. And that uh, just doesn't do anybody any good. It's not fair to anybody. Well, and it feels like those moments are, it is easiest to turn off our intentional listening with the people that are closest to us. Mm -hmm. Right. If it, it's, because that's where our safety lies, 
it is easier to take it for granted in a way with the people we care about most. Mm, and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that often leads to these, these moments of casual cruelty that we just don't even mean, but just come out of our mouths and they slip out and we realize way too late that we have crossed the line or said something that is, that is not okay. Mm-hmm. And that leads to a, a moment of where we need healing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the hard part is, and something that I think happens so much in this show is when those moments happen, this whole group is so able to recognize it and apologize mm-hmm. and to own their mistakes in a way that is just beautiful modeling. And what you're saying is, is bringing up for me all of those moments when Aang, for instance, is like, is hurt by someone and or hurts someone and then he is able to just own it and say that's my fault i apologize mm-hmm. i'll do better mm-hmm. it's funny you say that because the moment that pops up for me is uh sokka's quick response to supporting katara after all of this has kind of come out towards the end oh that's right and so katara he says like you need to do nothing like we didn't have time for this and now they're going to be in a, at a bigger detriment and she responds back very quickly with no i will never do nothing for people who are in need and Sokka really quickly is able to say i've been in the wrong for this episode i'm here to support you i'm here to be there and i wish that i did that as quickly as Sokka does because i don't well that leads that leads me to a question for you Lindsay. so like how important is humility in healing, in the healing process. It, like what, because that, that to me, that moment for soccer right there is just a moment of humility. Like being able to realize that you did something wrong mm-hmm. and then own it and then make reparation for it, right? And so mm-hmm. it, it, what what is the relationship between healing and humility in, in your wisdomous opinion? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I'm blushing. So... <laughs> You know, I, so there's humility, right? That ability to humble ourselves, which I think is so crucial to connection and thus healing. But then I also think about the vulnerability that's necessary for that. Um, and I'm curious for Sokka in that moment, like what helped him access that humility so quickly? Um because putting myself in, in that position, I would expect that it would take me a little bit longer to come around, right? Um, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if it took other people longer to come around to be able to humble myself enough to say, like, you know what, I'm wrong here. Because um, that's a very vulnerable thing Yeah, I'm not going to gonna lie, do. I suck at it. Yeah, it sucks. It's hard. Years. Years for me to <laughs> come up. Yeah. Um, I hold grudges for years. <laughs> Sokka does it in seconds and drops it. Um, yeah. So. But then. That is mm-hmm. tough. So what play. Yeah. What typically do you. What are those things that allow someone to do that? To access that humility and to be vulnerable in those moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think self-compassion is a good first place to start. I mean, I'm, again, curious what you all think, but if we can let go of perfectionism and um, all of the messages that we get about needing to appear a certain way or perform or present ourselves a certain way. Like if we can let go of the shoulds and simply be and allow ourselves to be, to just be, right? And to accept ourselves where we're at, I think it makes it much easier to hold space for, as a human, I'm going to do some things really well. And also, there are going to be times when I mess up. And none of it's good or bad. It just sort of is. Um, you are speaking my language, girl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's, it's how do we value those moments of mistakes? How do we value learning from mistakes and being wrong and, and knowing that that isn't a blow to our worth? but is something worth celebrating when we can learn and take new information and change our perspective? Um, and how do we value that? Cause I don't know if that's something that 
gets pushed out to people that no, be willing to be wrong and learn from it. You can't continue to be wrong on the same thing forever, but how do we be wrong and learn and move on? And then how do we celebrate that type of achievement? Mm. Um, Cause I don't know if we do right now. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Any, uh, any other moments that we need to, I mean, there's several that we need to highlight, I think, but what are, what's another one? Curious about you your, I loved your first one so I'm just ready for all of yours <laughs> yeah, <what's> your <laughs> okay so the the next one that really got me fired up in a good way was is in the same moment that we've been talking about um where Katara like uh she becomes really empowered and says, I will never turn my back on people who need me. That gave me chills um, for lots of different reasons, right? Like as a woman of how hard it is to speak up in those moments where we've been conditioned or taught to back down um, when the leader, especially if it's a man, tells us that we need to back down. Um, but I wondered, or well, started to wonder during this conversation, like how Aang's just beautiful affirmation that he offered her and then when he joined in with her to uh destroy the factory and to help the village like how that served as a form of empowerment for her to be able to speak up in that moment yeah uh, (laughs) i'm speechless And I think it shows that people who are typically empowered need to be able to use their privilege for support. Um, and I think that that's a moment that he had the ability to, to be supportive of her and let her take the lead. And and even when they went back to the village, um, when the Fire Nation was there with the army, he Aang's never seen, right? Like, Aang... She's the one who's the center, fo- uh, the focus of that, and allowing her to do the good. And he's supporting throughout the way by the way that he he bends air. Um, but it it gets to be her who's who's leading the charge on that. And I think it's really important because Aang really does play kind of a it's so intentional as too. a back role in this. And I think it, this is Katara's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think for Aang to be the main character of the series to for the creators to kind of shift importance and say, no, this is a focus on Katara, um, I think is really important. But it's it's good to see that Aang's there in a supportive role. And I think that people of privilege need to be able to do that and not be the forefront, but just find ways to support is, is, is a pretty important message to take away. Mm-hmm. On, on the same note, I, I want to not glance off of Sokka's reaction. Mm-hmm to finding out that Katara has been like, quote, wasting time. And his reaction is, as we said earlier, leave, do nothing. That's what we should have done. We should have left. We should have done nothing because things are worse now. And I don't blame him because I I think about if I put myself into his shoes, I'm thinking about this, quote, greater good of it is our responsibility to plan this invasion of the Fire Nation where they are going to have a... I think eight minute window of the solar eclipse. And he's like so focused on those eight minutes that are two weeks away that every minute counts and every ounce of planning counts. And it feels like wasted time, but I like, I just don't blame him for, for being in that mode and for, and for believing what he said, but Katara is so right. We have, we have to take action against oppression Mm -hmm. period. And she models this so well. And if you look at the, the overarching line of the show, these couple of days don't play a massive impact. And a lot of times I think we forget mm. how much good we can do in what we perceive to be limited or no time at all. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I think there's two sides of it. I believe and I understand Sokka's point of view, but I, I, I just have to side with Katara here because there's always time to fight oppression and take action against mm-hmm. it. It's two different kinds of urgency. Yeah, it's exactly what mm-hmm. it is. Thank you for labeling sure. that better than I did. No, you did a beautiful job. Uh, as, as we continue to kind of go through, and, and there's so much to cover, and so I want to make sure we hit on, on a lot of different points, but 
one of the things that I noticed is almost this gaslighting that the Fire Nation comes when they when they show up after um, after their factory has been burned down. The leader kind of comes out and says, y'all have stolen our medicine, even though we already know that they have to give all their medicine to the Fire Nation army. Y'all have stolen our medicine, our food, which we know that they're getting from these villages that they're kind of raiding, blaming these victims for what's actually happening. And I'm curious as to how gaslighting plays into the healing process. Mm. Um, So as, as someone's trying to heal, as someone's trying to move forward, that effect of, of gaslighting um, those individuals or those victims, ha- have you seen that play out or how does that play out in the real world um, when those kind of things mix, if that, if that is a question that mm-hmm, makes sense? Mm-hmm. So just to make sure I'm, I'm hearing your quest- question, Sunshine, um, how, how does gaslighting sort of impact a person's healing process or ability to heal or is that... Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Whew. So gaslighting is a charged thing because I think it can be really overt and then also really subtle. And the overt forms of gaslighting, like what we saw here in the episode, um, or the mo- more overt forms of gaslighting are harmful. But then I think it's the more sneaky, subtle ones that... Uh, like, okay, something felt really off about that, but I'm not quite sure what it is. I can't identify it. And so maybe there wasn't actually something which feeds into that um, narrative of, okay, I am crazy, right? That the the person doing the gaslighting yeah. wants to, um, to cause or to do. Um, so I, I, I guess to get back to your question, and I'm sort of sitting here reflecting on some of my experiences being gaslighted and um, what other people are experiencing in gaslighting that I've seen on social media recently with everything that's happening around racial, racial justice, and it just so harmful, so harmful. Um, and feel like once you're able to identify it and trust your body, like your intuition, your gut, when you feel, okay, something about that wasn't right, something about that was manipulative, Um, rather than second guess my gut and what it's telling me, let me speak up against it or trust, okay, no, that's about you, not about me. But then also being able to call it out when you see it being done to somebody else. I'm not really answering your question. I'm sort of (laughs) just going off. Um, and I think it's tough. I think because it's, I, I almost feel like the response is going to be different, but um, kind of getting to what you said earlier, it definitely impacts one's ability to heal because of that shame that it could potentially throw onto a, a victim to increase mm-hmm. them as, as, you know, to make, it's your fault, right? How, how impactful can it be for when someone's like, no, this is your fault. Mm-hmm. You're the reason this is happening. Mm-hmm. You're the reason you're a victim when majority of the time that's just not even close to being mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is difficult. Too many adult themes in this show. <laughs> that was re- there's, there's nothing about this being a kid's show. It's rated right? Y7, seven-year-olds. Yeah, so, so I wasn't ready. Unpacking this is, is pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah, right? You're not expecting it. I wasn't it. ready. But then also so many like sweet, humorous moments, too. It has everything. Which are in them uh, in and of themselves, like laughter is a form yes. of healing. I think I wrote that somewhere. Like laughter is is so important, and like I think I wrote at the very beginning, like they were all making jokes, mm-hmm. and uh, Sokka tried to make a joke, it didn't land, and then <laughs> Toph made a joke at his expense, um, and I, I the whole group laughed, and Sokka didn't, I guess. But like, so laughter is so important, but also like making sure that we're not always laughing at other people's expense. Like schadenfreude mm-hmm. is, you know, a thing, but it's also one of those things where uh, I think it's important to be mindful. And this is like where I have some sticking uh, ickiness with Toph sometimes is often her humor is at other people's expense. Mm-hmm. And I, I just worry about the casual cruelty that comes from her. Um, I love her as a character. Do not get me wrong. And I think sometimes it's problematic. Mm -hmm. Speaking into that a little bit, is it possible that Sokka's structure is a form of his own healing? Is that a way that he can maintain 
order in his own life in a world that is chaotic around him and, and can that be a healing process so in fact when they're making fun of his schedule keeping is that really them making fun of his healing process potentially mm. that's an interesting mm -hmm. thought his form of coping yeah. yeah and and i think and it, please give insight to this i i feel like so many times we hear that coping mechanisms are negative or positive and is that dependent on a person? Is that, it, you know, could this be a positive coping mechanism? Is it also a negative coping mechanism? Are coping mechanisms like feelings where it's kind of they're not negative or positive? They are, but it depends on the context or, or who's experiencing yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was a great question out of that or if that made any sense. No, I love... That's my question <laughs> and where I'm leaving it. I, I love having this conversation. So I would I would reflect what you just said of like it depends and I think people and professionals feel differently and people have different perspectives on it. I personally, both personally and um, in my framework as a counselor, think coping is coping and by that what I mean is um, we pick up what we do to cope and then it sticks because it works. And at some point early on, it works and it's effective, but long term, some of those things are less effective or potentially even harmful, like uh, restricting or purging or self-injury or um, abusing substances, right? Um, but it's when we label them as negative or maladaptive and we put something that feels like a judgment or is a judgment on it, I think that's where, again, that process or that cycle of shame can come in. Um, so if I get into my work a little bit here, I won't talk long about it, but I really work to neutralize coping with my clients and, and help them explore like, okay, let's understand why it is that you do what you do. What does it help you with? What does it do for you? What does it take away? What does it add? Um, if it's not something that is helpful or if it is harmful long-term to you, how can we find something different? So, so I wonder with Sokka, oh. with the schedule keeping, um, I identify with a lot of that. If like, you know, anything about the MBTI, <laughs> I consistently get high scores on the J, like I'm very much a J, very organized, um, really, really live by things being planned out, all of that. Um, but also wonder how much of that is a function of l learning that or using that to cope with my anxiety. I love it. I, I think uh, I could hear you talk about Avatar and your work uh, all day. <laughs> I think this is really cool. Uh, I'm also a big nerd, so it's one of those things where I, I love hearing about how all of these interlace and interact with one another, and it's just, I, I am excited. I'm, I'm so grateful already, just from our conversation so far, um, that other people get to hear uh, your reflections on this. It's so important. Any other big moments now? Any other big things that we want to make sure we highlight before we kind of get into our other practices of of showing gratitude towards characters. Is there any other major moments in this episode? Lindsay, I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear your perspective. Uh, I, I know your concentration or your, your focus rather is kind of on the body. And I know that you, you mentioned a history mm -hmm. of um, just working through your own body. And I'm, I'm curious what your reaction was to the food situation in this town and the um, just the relationship between the town and food mm. and just that whole relationship. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts yeah. were. Yeah, you know, I have to say, I don't know that I thought about it much, but um, which is interesting to me. I'm, I'm curious as to why that was. And what, what comes up for me hearing your question, Ben, is that food is such an important um, element in healing and culturally it's such an important thing um, for all cultures and so often we'll have conversations with my clients who who feel so much shame or who are coming in because they've been told that they are emotionally eating um, or overeating right there's that judgment on overeating 
Um, when actually like emotional eating, we think about it or it has that connotation of we only do it when we're sad or angry um, or something's bad, but we also emotionally eat when, we ha when we're happy and we're celebrating stuff. Um, so we don't think about the positive ways that uh, we relate to food because of all of our cultural narratives around um, food and eating and what's okay and what's not, if we're gonna go with that dichotomy. Um, so that, I don't think that directly answers your question related to the episode, but that's sort of what comes up for me hearing it. Awesome. Uh, it, yeah, it really is. I, I appreciate you coming on the show because you're able to give insight that Ben and I definitely do not have. Um, and so this has been fantastic. I think one of my questions kind of goes towards, there's a moment in the episode where Katara speaks to the villagers and, and kind of encourages them to have agency in their own healing process that they've got to take a part in that to make sure that their city can get back to normal and to make sure that they're playing a part in, in cleaning the river. How, how truly important is uh, agency and, and kind of healing ourselves or healing uh, or going through our own healing processes? Or is there moments where we really do have to rely on others for healing in, in that affirmation? Or is it a mixture mm -hmm. of both? I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I, I have written here in my notes, I'm taking a look, um, Katara's quote or um, paraphrasing it. I think she says, you can't wait around for somebody, someone to help you. You have to help yourself, which makes me think about um, yeah. healing as, a, as an active process. Like I think we might initially think about healing in a passive way of, oh, it just means to get better. But what my, then my question would be, what do we need to do to get to that? What does it mean to get better? Um, and I would say that, and again, this is just uh, my experience, my training, um, what I've seen works with people is that it's that combination of connecting with yourself and the things that are required for that. So acceptance, validation, self-compassion, um, meeting yourself where you're at, but then also connection with other people and building community and supporting and advocating and giving. Um, so joining with oneself and joining with others is what I would say. Awesome. And, yeah, and we see that. We see that community building and the community come together when they're cleaning up their everything. Um, and even, even the healing processes throughout when Katara actually literally goes and heals people how much that plays a role in the community's overall general feeling and vibe as she keeps visiting as the painted lady each night uh, and how much the, the community kind of is in it together is, uh, is really interesting to me. Oh, any other massive moments that we are missing before we jump to our practice? Lindsay, Ben, anyone want to? I don't have. In, in the I don't have. Talk about a moment. That was impactful. <laughs> I don't have a, a massive moment, but one that really stuck with me and made me laugh out loud, and then also go like, "Oh, that's me." Um, again, it was when uh, Ang realized that the painted lady was Katara in disguise, and um, but I think it was before he found out and. She says something to the effect of, I, I'm, I need to be going now. I'm very busy. And he kind of looks away and says, me too. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's hilarious and also super relatable in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. So I need to unpack that. I love it. Well, and how often I, I feel like when I when I'm into work gatherings, and anytime someone asks you how are you doing, it is almost like a badge of honor that people are wearing of like, oh, super busy, just nonstop going, and that is such a common mm -hmm. answer to how are you is oh, I'm just mm -hmm. real busy, uh, and it's I feel like that is so unbelievably common, at least in my workplace. Um, well, it also I, the thing I don't like about that is that what it does is it normalizes it, and it almost is like it creates a culture of if you're not doing this, then you aren't good at your job. Yeah, you're only productive if you're busy. You're only yeah. good if you're busy. Mm -hmm. um, and how sometimes you don't need to be busy to be good. And to actually here, to, here. To, to truth, get, I would say to, to heal any form of uh, work-life balance issues or to heal any form of burnout, you, you 
you can't be busy all the time. You just can't run on full cylinders mm-hmm. like that a hundred percent of the time. Um, which we see the gang do. Like Katara and Aang are doing that, and and maybe it, it, this 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 break this trip off of the schedule is a little bit of a a form of taking a break from the overall goal, which is doing all the things they got to do to stop the fire nation. Um, and so, yeah, that busyness is definitely Boom. A, a badge of honor that people wear that people need. And, and sometimes we need to be able to step back and away mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Like Zuko. Like Zuko. All right. Well, well, thank you for sharing that moment. And yeah, I, again, thank you just for being here and, and doing Absolutely. this with us and, and, and sharing all of, all of the wisdom, all of the <laughs> knowledge. Um, so we'll just go ahead and we'll, we will jump into to our practices. Uh, one of the things that we have to do is uh, we got to look through healing with the, with the element of water. And so, Ben, can you just kind of give us a reminder of when we think of water, what are the attributes um, that kind of come with that? And what does that really mean? Yeah, sure. So, like, again, uh, when I think of water, you think about all the cool things that happen with water. It can be in multiple forms. It can be solid. It can be uh, liquid. It can be a gas. And it's very flexible and fluid. And I love water because it's it's the universal solvent. It um, neutralizes acids. It cleans. It, it cleans toxins, right? And that's what it does. But the problem with that is some of the cons around that is like it takes on those toxins and it absorbs them and eventually water can be contaminated if it continues to take on too much. And uh, water can uh, sometimes like rain. I don't like rain, except rain's also very healing. And so like if you get too much rain, it becomes an issue. But like there's so there's like this ebb and flow (laughs) of water that just there's so much to unpack. And that's 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 a little bit of my understanding of water. Did you miss? Did I miss anything? No, and I and I think for for me, my my goal is, uh, it kind of goes back to those moments of of offering affirmation or being present in the moment. It requires this this go with the flow nature that water has because you can't just put up a dam when someone's being vulnerable with you and have that be a productive conversation. You can't just stop. you have to be able to to go where the water's going and be there for the ride. And I think for me, my goal is kind of how do I move forward and make sure that I'm not shutting down those moments of, of mm. discomfort because I don't want to be mm. there anymore, but to actually feel those moments with the person who's there yeah. and go through it with them. Um, and it's tough to kind of put that out. as like, that's my weekly goal. I'm going to do that five times this week. Um, but really just focusing on that when those moments do pop up, because I think they're there more often than not than, and and how quickly am I personally to kind of shut those down and put a dam up? Um, because it's like, well, it, you know, at least this is going well, right? And, and then avoid that discomfort. And so I think my focus this week is going to be on on that, to, to not do that. I love that. Yeah. So I'll share, and then, Lindsay, you can share. Uh, the thing that came up for me when I think about healing and water together is... I'm going to school in the fall, and one of the things that uh, is a big tenet of social work is meeting people where they are, and uh, I want to kind of embody water in that way, and that water is flexible and can be fluid mm-hmm. and can meet people where they are. So if we're, we're, if someone is in this really frigid state, I can I can kind of become ice and work with them, and then we can thaw together. And I can, I can meet people where they are if I try to embody this mm. concept of water. And I, I think that, again, it's similar to you, Sunshine, that it's like, okay, I'm, this isn't really a smart goal that I can check off a list. It's more of a something that I need to be mindful of over this next week. Um, this is something I need to keep in, in my, I need to be intentional as Casper mentioned, uh, how do I be, like use ritual here, like intention, repetition, and, uh, pra- like practice. Right. And I want to be intentional about meeting people where they are because that's the water <laughs> thing to do. That's how the healing happens. That's how the healing happens. Yeah. yeah. So Lindsay, we're, we're super curious. Like, tell us about your your thoughts on just yeah, water well, and both healing. of your answers were just so beautiful and I appreciate you um, sharing those I guess when I think <laughs> I'm serious um, I really mean it no but when I think about healing and water I 
for me, water is a really helpful tool for, and it's not just a tool, I don't want to minimize that or minimize it, but um, it helps me come back to my body and it grounds me. And I think what's interesting is um, like our bodies respond on their own in a way to, to water um, where they regulate themselves when we're in water or we're in contact with water so that we can be regulated and grounded enough to, to be in the water and go with it rather than drown or um, fight against it. And I think that's really, really fascinating. Um, so it has a calming effect and a grounding effect. And I know for me, it's something that I turn to um, when my anxiety does flare up or I feel um, ungrounded or um, discombobulated. And um, I mean, if you even imagine yourself like at the lake or at the beach or um, by a waterfall, just how healing in and of itself it is to be in contact with water. And I think a lot of that is that it helps me come back to my body. Um, and also we're 70% water. So a lot of our bodies <laughs> is water. Uh, so maybe that's some, that's part of it too. I don't know. Yeah, I love that point. It really kind of uh, evoked the image of just like how often, like when I'm feeling mm -hmm. bad, I just, I'm like, I need to take a shower and I just mm -hmm. wash off the, the ick of the day. Uh, it's like allegorical or metaphorical ick, right? Like that's not, mm -hmm. but it, how much does that really help too? You know, it really is this, this very physical form to help. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off on that, but that, I, I feel passionately <laughs> in agreement with you. And so I jumped in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, but let's, let's talk gratitude for some characters here. Cause that's something we're trying to make. This uh, is my new favorite. Segment. We're trying to make this a ritual. We're trying to make this habit. And so who are some characters that we need to show some, some gratitude, um, who, when you just think about healing, we're just kind of like, oh, we need to lift them up. The, let's give some shout outs to, to these folks. So, uh, Lindsay, is there a character that really spoke out to you that you're like, Yes, this is the Yes, and we talked about him, but my character that I'm grateful for in this episode is Sokka. Um, because of the humility and vulnerability that he showed and his willingness to support and help and um, take responsibility for and own where he was wrong and then do something different in response to that. And I think what a beautiful um, model in general, but also given the state of things right now. Um, yeah. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. It's so important to be able to accept that like we are wrong sometimes. And it's an example that we, mm -hmm. I think we can do a better job of setting me personally. I'm saying, yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. Ben, do you want to go? You want me to go? Uh, I'll go. Um, I, you know, we didn't get a chance to do this on Casper's episode, but I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm doing it again anyway. I, I, so since we're skipping one, I did Katara first, but I, I really feel called to just share my gratitude and appreciation for her again. Um, she values action and practices that value rather than simply profess it. And practicing our values in today's world rather than simply professing it is so necessary and important and she is a model for us all and i have so much to learn from her actions and i just regarding all the riots and the racism rampant in our country action is needed and katara's modeling helps me nurture the capacity for action within myself and so i'm um i'm emotional just a little bit about how thankful i am for her leadership mm -hmm. and her modeling mm-hmm Absolutely. Um, I think for me, one of mine is a character we haven't talked about this episode, and I, I, I think it's worth <laughs> shouting out is, is Doc or Shu or yeah. however. But and he gets he gets played for comedy the entire time, uh, which I think is totally that's it's great. And I also think it is worth highlighting that this is a person who sees so many needs in his community that he is trying to play a part in fulfilling each one that is mm. available for, that he has the capacity to fill. And I think that that's such a special thing because he says, we need someone to be a ferryman. I will do it. We need someone to run this shop and provide food to people. I will do it. And I think that that's something worth lifting up as 
he sees a place for him to contribute and it gets played because he's he is literally a man with many hats um and but i think how important it, that really is that that this one individual sees a way for him to contribute in so many different facets of his community and he is so willing to jump into each one. And it's yeah. at the drop of a hat. It's it's legitimately at this moment where, hey, we need a ferryman. Mm-hmm. And he's like, great. And he does it. And I think that is not always productive. But I think in this moment, it is. And it's worth highlighting That's and lifting up. That's such a beautiful reading of that. Because I like, I have to admit, I, I, str- I actually struggled with this. I wrote it down. I was like, Give, help me understand this relationship between mm. this, this character and his alternate identities right and I, I just that's such a beautiful reading of it that it just makes me mm-hmm. really appreciate his character that much mm-hmm. more and so i really appreciate you lifting that up anytime <laughs> I'll, I'll always try to um but yeah so well that's so that's it for us today uh oh, Lindsay, i we've said it throughout the episode but thank you so much for taking your time what not just to take your time in recording with us tonight but also all the time it took to to watch watch it and and take notes and yeah um and so thank you for all of your time that you dedicated to this uh to this and and it's been huge for us and you are welcome back anytime uh you want to come back and join us we'll just pick another episode thank you i would love to be back back. and this was this was such an honor and a joy for me again i'm just so appreciative of you inviting me on and Truly had so much fun with it over the last few days. Um, and I will be watching the show because I need a new show. So <laughs> we did it. New fan. We, we got did. one. <laughs> Which, uh, to be fair, you are uh, our producer has been producing the show for almost a year now. And has still never seen an episode. So, um, you're you're out doing Max, which is which is great. So, we love that. So, thanks for we, Max. How do you feel about being out done? now? <laughs> I feel fine about it. That was really <laughs> what I wanted to do. It was well, beat Max. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Well, thank you again so much. And, and, and listeners, thank you so much for joining us again. We will be back again next week. Um, and we are going to be... What's our lens, Ben? Do you know it off the top of your head? Uh, no. For episode four, we haven't picked it yet. Oh. But we have picked it for five because we have another special guest. Episode five, we're bringing another special guest on. And this is going to be a big one, y'all. And so continue listening for that. But, but Lindsay, thank you for joining us. And once again, I'm Sunshine Mayfield. And this has been Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>